Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The destruction of the nuclear family is at the root of the violence plaguing black people. We should be talking about that today and virtually every day. The destruction of the family is at the root of nearly every problem plaguing America. You wanna know why the midterm elections did not reflect a repudiation of Joe Biden and the Democrat Party? Because Democrats realize American citizens want a society and system geared to serve irresponsible individuals rather than intact families. Out of fear of being labeled a racist or misogynistic, the media have failed to explain the full ramifications of a matriarchal society. The ramifications are on full display in the black community. A female-led world operates like the south side of Chicago. It manufactures emotional men with little impulse control and emotional women with little sexual discipline. Homicide, by gun or abortion, runs rampant. Chris Jones, the, the University of Virginia shooter is yet another example of this phenomenon. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday, happy day after Monday. Uh, let's dive into the week. Uh, it, it's here. Uh, we're through Monday. We're now into our work week. And boy, have I been working hard for you all today on today's show. We got a fantastic show planned for you today. We got TJ Moe. We got Delano Squires. We got Steve Kim. We got a show uh, that's going to be out of this world. We're going to start by talking a little sports with Steve Kim, and then we're gonna dive into the meat of a discussion I've been dying to have ever since yesterday uh, when the Chris Jones, the Christopher Darnell Jones, the University of Virginia shooter, killed three people, injured two others. Uh, there's a conversation we need to have, and we're gonna have it on this show, uh, and I'll do that with TJ Moe and Delano. But first, we'll start out talking a little sports with the Korean Cosell. We'll talk about the Monday night football game and all of that. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, one of my favorite activities, eating. Good ranchers. The winter holidays are almost here. It's when we prepare for our waist to get bigger and our wallets to get smaller. <laughs> not if you shop at Good Ranchers, not if you like good American-made meat, if you like to shop and support American ranchers and farmers, if you like to support uh, uh, an organization, a business that supports me, you, and our worldview, you need to be supporting good ranchers. Good Ranchers has an incredible deal. Meat prices are gonna skyrocket in 23. 
Good Ranchers is letting you lock in your prices when you subscribe. You don't have to worry about inflation, and inflation's gonna get worse. You can participate in their Black Friday savings special. This is their best deal of the year, only valid for the entire month of no November. With my code, FEARLESS, you can get their exclusive Black Friday offer of two free Black Angus New York Strip steaks. These steaks are more tender than other beef. This is attributed to the meat's marbling, a trait that Black Angus is known for. That's two 12-ounce steakhouse quality cuts that will absolutely blow you away in flavor, and you can get them for free at goodranchers.com fearless. Get $70 of free USDA choice steaks and save an additional 25 on every box when you subscribe. Treat yourself or someone you love to Good Ranchers award-winning service and quality this holiday season. Remember to visit GoodRanchers.com fearless or use my code fearless at checkout to grab their best offer of the year. Black Angus is one of the premier breeds of cattle for high quality beef. So don't have a normal Black Friday this year. Have yourself a Black Angus Friday with two free steaks from Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Uh, speaking of American meat uh, delivered Korean style, uh, let's roll out to uh, Los Angeles and bring in the Korean co-sale, uh, an American meathead, as I like to call him. Uh, again, I saw the comments yesterday on the YouTube. Y'all need to cut it out with all this caping up for Kim and acting like Kim is the best part of the show. Look, I'm the star of this show. I say the most interesting things on this show. I'm the most entertaining person on this show. Uh, quick, I, I don't know whether Kim is putting in a bunch of anonymous names and putting these comments in there himself, uh, but y'all cut it out. Tonight, today, as you're watching the show, put comments in there about how I'm carrying Steve Kim and he's lucky to work with me. We don't want this guy getting a big head. We, we, we got to be careful. You got to be careful how you manage guys like Steve Kim. They got egos. And so you got to be very careful. So keep the comments more directed towards me, how good I look, how clever the things I say are. Don't even bring up Steve Kim today in the comments. Don't do it in the chats. Don't do it in the comments. Talk about me. Steve, uh, welcome back to the show. What, what's, what's so funny, Steve? I'm I, trying I to give you, our audience some good instruction. You know, we're going to be the modern-day version of Stephon Marbury and Kevin Garnett. They had a beautiful thing going in Minnesota. The T-Wolves were going to be the team of the 21st century. And it's, and it's, it's this type of conflict, man. It's just that it broke yeah, them you're apart. You're Starberry, and I'm, trying to, I'm, trying, oh, to, I'm well, trying to keep you in line, Starberry. Uh, well, I'm Starberry Kevin, Garnett, so Kevin Garnett, the generational no, talent. No way. No. <laughs> No, although I am Asian and Stefan did go to China. So, okay, I, I'm going to make some yeah, There you go, see? To make that happen. Yeah, so yeah, what's going there you on? Go. Uh, <laughs> let's start with uh, last night's football game. The Washington Commanders uh, knock off the Philadelphia Eagles, knock them from the list of unbeatens. Uh, and so that opens up a conversation. People, by default, since Philly was undefeated, people have been saying, Philly's the best team in football. <laughs> I've never jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, other people uh, have. Uh, who do you think, and again, this isn't about being the best team in football so much as 
If you had to rank your top five teams, who has the best chance of winning a Super Bowl? I'm going to give you my list first. Uh, the Chiefs are number one. Uh, the 49ers are, are number two. Uh, the mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills. Then the Eagles. And then... Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm betting big on the 49ers and the Buccaneers. Uh, their, their records don't indicate for them to be ranked this high. But that's my top five. And so after last night, uh, who do you think the best teams are? Who do you think has the best team chance of winning the Super Bowl? Okay, I have some thoughts on your list. But my top five, you know what? I'm going to stay steady. I'm going to give them a couple of weeks here to get back their mojo. And they have some slump-busting games coming up schedule is very favorable for the bills in the next couple of weeks get josh allen back on track number two kansas city chiefs so me and you don't disagree that much then the philadelphia eagles are number three i love their roster overall and this is going to surprise you i think kirk cousins might make a run i have minnesota vikings at number four and number five i have the miami dolphins so me and you uh agree there jason their number two team is the niners I think that's fool's gold. As much as I like that team up and down, that You were on the show have... yesterday singing their praises. No, 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 no. But here's the problem. I don't like Jimmy G. I actually think that team is unbelievably talented in every phase. When I look at Garoppolo, I'm just like, I don't see it. I really don't. They are deathly afraid of him. And with the way they can run the ball at times and the eye candy, provided by Shanahan, where he's setting up plays. And there's too many times, and I said this to you last week, where Shanahan will call up and dial up the perfect play that he set up for a quarter or two, and then Jimmy G flubs it. He is the very example of why you can't judge a quarterback just on a box score. You have to actually watch the game, because there's a lot of times where he's like 21 for 30, 238 yards and a touchdown or two. Oh, it's a pretty good game. But you know what? Out of those misses, there's like two or three huge misses that a guy is just wide open and he flubs it. I mean, I'm just telling you, the guy that I think is the most unselfish player in the league because he's so underused and he's absolutely dynamic is their tight end, Kittle. And the guy, he's being used as a third tackle. I mean, this guy is a dynamic athlete who should be, who's just as good athletically as, as uh, Kelsey, except there's a difference. One guy is used properly and has Mahomes. The other guy is a great blocker, that ca- and the other guy catches about three, four passes a game, doesn't really bust the big plays as he once did because he's not utilized. This is a quarterback-driven league, and my view is Jimmy Garoppolo, as much as Trey Lance, I did not believe in him, and I did not think he was ready Jason, there's a reason why he did not start the year. Think about it. Do you yeah, really because think... they made a mistake. They made a I mistake agree. is why okay. he didn't start the year. Right. But you in your heart, you really think Garoppolo can take that team to the Super Bowl again? Because I give him yeah, credit. He's already he done it, Steve. He's already right. done it, Steve. And you know what's funny? And in that Super Bowl, he had a chance to bring them back, had a wide open post pattern, overthrew it. Huh. I'm just telling you, I don't trust. As much as I like him, I don't trust I know. Trust you him. got Kirk Cousins rated ahead of the 49ers, and Kirk Cousins ain't even never sniffed 
the Super Bowl. Jimmy G's already been there, and I'm not saying Jimmy G's better than Kirk Cousins, but you're so down on Jimmy G, and he can't lead him to a Super Bowl when he's already led him to one. Another Uh, one. No, no, no. When it comes to Cousins, I like that. I like that this year. (laughs) We have seen in the past mediocre to pretty good quarterbacks have that one magical year. Remember Mark Rippon in 1991? led an unbelievably good Redskin team, had that magical year where he elevated his game and he was consistent. I think he led them on a 15-1 and mark, won the MVP, and hit every big shot. Now, I have to give him credit. He's terrible in prime time. And when the, when the, the lights are on and the whole nation's watching, he shrivels up a little bit. There's no doubt. But once in a while... Oh, you mean like the playoffs? You mean like yes, the playoffs? Right. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just telling you. Okay, you know what? Let's go back to Garoppolo. Go back to that NFC Championship game last year. He missed wide open throws. I still remember Kittle breaking down the seam wide open in the first quarter. Should have been a 65-70 yard touchdown. I loved it. Again, sometimes it's not about the stats or the passes you complete. Sometimes it's about the ones you miss. And, and what the audience just witnessed is why, again, I'm better than Steve Kim and I'm the host of this show, is he just totally turned this into a conversation about Jimmy Garoppolo when we're trying to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. That's why you need me. That's why you need to be in the comments talking about how great I am to this and how necessary I am for this show. Put that in the comments. But but I I wanna say this, Steve, about the Eagles. I've never been sold on them. I would love to say I'm not shocked they lost to Washington, but, but I knew they were going to lose at some point to one of these teams they shouldn't have. D- did your opinion of the Eagles lower last night, or are you just like, hey, they just had an off game, they overlooked the Washington? Did your opinion lower on the No, because, look, they're 8-1, and one, aren't they? I, look, they were never going to go 17-0, and 0, and the toughest thing to do in football is to win every divisional game. No one ever talks about it. It is hard to play these teams year after year twice and really blow them out. I give Ron Rivera credit. They had a great game plan. Jason, you know they ran the ball 49 times yesterday. I always talk about keeping it simple. Brian Robinson was a horse, and that game just seemed to fly by because if you're the inferior team, one of the ways you even up the score or the odds, you shorten that game. And that game was, like, really quick to me. You suddenly look at the clock, and there's like four minutes left to go in each quarter because they did a good job of protecting Heineke and then taking some shots down the field with McLaurin. And the Eagles just did not have it. They committed stupid penalties, bad turnovers. But I, I wouldn't overreact. They're still 8-1. and one. They're, pretty re- they're, they're pretty damn dominant on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And it's one of those games where every break went against them. Now... Here's what we have to find out. We are basically halfway through the year. There's a lot of tape that has circulated. Let's see what happens to Jalen Hurts the second time around the league. Let's see if he can keep up this MVP pace. That much, I will say. Let's see what happens to him. And so there was a controversial play at the end of the game that I don't think was controversial. I I had no problem with the late hit penalty on Taylor Heineke. Let, let's play that clip. Uh, Troy Aikman and these guys seem to think it was a big deal. I didn't. It out. They're going to throw on third down and seven. 
Instead, Heineke wisely, and now a flag, wow. and that's going to, in essence, end the game. Mm, mm, mm. There's no reason for Graham to hit this guy. Yeah. He's on his yeah. knees. He's down. I had no problem with the ref throwing the flag. Jason, as the late great Chick Hearn would say after a dumb foul, that wasn't exactly Phi Beta Kappa. Listen, in today's football, you get penalized when you hit the quarterback as they're throwing the ball. What makes anyone think when a guy takes a knee, you're allowed to touch him? You have to read the room. In that situation, you have to realize the last thing the Redskins want to do is actually throw the ball and have an incompletion because now it's a timeout. So, you, again, I talk about situational football awareness as if somehow there's no such thing as football IQ. Everyone should have known, hey, guys, if that quarterback gets the ball, let's not get one of these penalties that we're going to debate. But we know the way the game is called nowadays, especially in regards to the quarterback. Steve, I want to move on. I want to do a approval rating on Shannon Sharp and unpack a little bit of what's going on with Shannon Sharp, get your take. But before I do that, I want to take care of a, a, a tiny bit of business and talk to you guys about uh, my friends at Patriot Mobile. Uh, it's hard to grasp why anyone would keep voting for record inflation, skyrocketing crime, and an open border, but uh, we just did it. Likewise, uh, why would anyone keep funding the left by sticking with the big carriers? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and they want to make it easy for you to try their service. Give them 60 days, 60 days to show you why you must trust them. Right now, when you try Patriot Mobile for two months, get your third month free, plus get free activation. They offer nationwide coverage on the best 5G and 4G networks and use the same towers as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to keep America and to preserve God-given rights and freedoms. Just go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. If you're fed up with the woke companies that don't care about your values, support a company that does. Make the switch today and get, free, get a free month of service plus free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Guys, I want to put a punch, a finish on this whole deal. We're, we're looking at an election process and system that it's hard to have a lot of faith in. I've never had much faith in it. You guys know that. And that's why I'm so big on these little things we can do that actually will make an impact. Same thing I keep telling you guys about Good Ranches, same thing I'm telling you about Patriot Mobile. We gotta support the people. They can't harvest your dollars. Your dollars speak loudly. And when you have a chance to spend it with a company like Patriot Mobile, we have to take advantage of that. Your vote can be suppressed. It can be disenfranchised. They can have the voting machines break down in your neighborhoods. When you spend your money with a company like Patriot Mobile, 
you're actually making a difference. It's these little things that we have to do and get in the habit of doing. Because right now, I don't trust any of them. I don't trust any of them. They all seem to be globalists. And so the best thing we can do is spend our money where we spend our money matters and makes an impact. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. It's, you, you, it's not going to be as easy as, hey, I'm going to vote. It's not going to be that easy. There's these other things we have to do that will make the difference. All right, uh, let's move on to our approval rating on Shannon Sharp. Steve, I'm going to bring a couple of guys into this conversation, Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith. I want to play you some clips. This is what from Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith. Let's start with Stephen A. being critical of Kyrie Irving. Let's start there. Let's play that clip. Stephen A. initially being critical of Kyrie Irving. The Jewish community gets to define what is anti-Semitic, what is offensive to them. Mm -hmm. They get to do that. In his world, he's saying no. No, that's not true. Because y'all ain't the real ones. We are. But then doesn't want to back it up when people are challenging him on it. Why? Because he knows what we don't know. Now, let's play Stephen A. after the flip-flop that social media backlash has caused. Stephen A. is singing a completely different tune. Let's play that clip. America, don't think I have not noticed what you have done. Kyrie Irving, minimum five games. Ime Udoka, minimum one-year suspension. Usually when there's a suspension, there's an end date. I'm seeing two black men here that's got the word indefinite attached to their exiles. I don't like that. That is inconsistent with what we have customarily seen transpire in the world of sports. So when two brothers mess up, it's got indefinite attached to it. But if it's anybody else, you get a, a definitive point which is suspended and others, or, or you're fired and you're free to go work elsewhere, whatever the case may be. But in these cases, you got indefinite attached to them where their futures are left dangling. What are y'all trying to say? Hmm. Uh, hmm. Now, let's go to the other minstrel show uh, over on Fox Sports. Let's play Shannon Sharp, his original thoughts on Kyrie Irving. You know, you harmed, a, you harmed a group of people. They are offended by what you said because you entitled all of them. So you're under the assumption, assumption I don't know how many Jewish people are in, in America, 8 million, 10 million, 12 million, 13, I don't know, 20. So you said an entire race of people, not one or two, entire race of people are bad. Now, if they said 40 million, 40 million blacks, the entire race are bad, evil, is responsible for this, we lose our mind. Yes. Hold on, he did that. Why well, I got a better brother for what he did? You should lose your mind. Yep. The point here is nobody has any problem with Kyrie upholding African-American um, 
yes. history and, and legacy and heritage. Yes. That, and, and that was the thrust of what he was trying to do. Right. Unfortunately, yes, it's at the yes, expense sir. of right. several religious or cultural groups. Yes. Right? Yes, yeah. sir, Skip. No yes, sir. I'm as unapologetically black as they come. Agreed. I will support mine. Yes. But I also will call out mine when they're wrong. Yes, sir, Skip. I will support mine. But as wheels calls them out, too, boss. Yes, sir. That's Shannon Sharp. Skip! Skip! Before. He gets bashed by Dr. Umar Johnson. He gets bashed by Louis Farrakhan. Uh, but before any of that, he got bashed by me. Uh, and now let's listen to Shannon Sharp. Because when blacks have a misstep, it seems like we suffer the harshest penalties. It seems like other groups offend blacks, okay. and they never suffer the penalty that Kyrie and Kanye have suffered. A lot, some of us, a large portion of us, is that blacks are bound by shackles. We're held more accountable mm -hmm. for our actions and our words, where our counterparts with cobwebs, they're easily brushed aside. Shannon, he apologized. He or she said they were sorry. Why can't we get the same benefit of the doubt? Okay. Kyrie was wrong, but I believe Kyrie was wrong, but I also can believe the punishment was excessive. These guys all get the same talking points. That's how you know it's rigged. That's how you know they have puppet masters, because they're all saying the same thing. They're all pivoting at the same time. This is why I don't trust any of them. That's why I don't respect them, it's particularly as it relates to Shannon Sharp. I do have tiny bits of respect left for Stephen A. Smith, but, but I, I just can't take it. They're all attached to puppet strings. You can say this, but you can't say this. Oh, now you can say this. And now they, they get out there and they want their black cards back. They're inauthentic. It's a scam. Uh, this thing was so clear from day one as it relates to Kyrie and Kanye. It was a total overreaction. And anybody with a pair would have set it off top, but they had to go check with their puppet masters, and so they didn't. And now their puppet masters have legalized it. Here's your talking points now. Say the punishment's too hard, and now you can go out and play black again. I, I got no respect for Shannon Sharp. Uh, your comments before we break this down in ratings points. Uh, Jason, there's an old phrase. You try to please everyone, you'll please no one. And as you mentioned, what happened was in the beginning, the script was laid out by the corporate overlords. This is what you're gonna say. These are your talking points, stick with it. That's what you're gonna hammer home. Then black Twitter got on them. And so then they felt like, oh no, at that point, then it's CB4. Remember dead Mike or Euripides? I'm black y'all, I'm black y'all, I'm biggity black and I'm blackity black. That's what they become. They become dead Mike or is it Euripides? It's that one character. They're black, y'all. They're really, really, really blackly black, blackly black, black, y'all. And it's like, oh, God. Okay, guys, which is it? Which is it? And that, again, I would have a lot of respect for any of these opinions if they stuck with it and that's what they really felt and they were steadfast, but they're not. There's no doubt about it that the two reactions that we saw in the 180s that they took were based on number one from their paycheck but then from social media. So at this point in time, I don't really know what they think. I really don't know any of their true feelings about this subject. Neither do they, and they're just waiting on someone to tell them. And I do believe 
It's dead, Mike. I just called it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, neither of those guys are straight out of low cash because they kept it. They, they didn't keep it real. They are not straight out of low cash. Okay. Just saying. Uh, so uh, as I break this down, though, in an approval rating, when I, when I think of Shannon Sharp's job performance, I think it's very high. He is paid to put on a minstrel show, and he does it every day on Undisputed. He sits in front of Skip Bay. Yes, sir, boss. Skip, Skip. Yes, sir. I told you, Skip, Skip. He plays that role to a T. Plays the ultimate ignorant black imbecile to a T. And Skip just sits there. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Good job, Shannon. Good job, Shannon. Here's a butter biscuit. So I give him a 23 in job performance. I don't know anybody playing the minstrel role at a higher level than Shannon Sharp. Wow, that that is brutal, Jason. Jeez. You know, I gave him a 10. <laughs> I'll be honest. I rarely watch this show, if ever. In fact, the clip that you showed probably more time spent uh, on that particular program than I've seen in six months. I, it's okay. I, I always think to me on shows like that, Skip Bayless is really the nucleus, okay? And Skip makes that show go. He's a straw that stirs that drink. Uh, you know, Shannon's, eh, he's a sidekick. I gave him a 10. I, just, I never watched the show, to be honest with you. It's almost like it's not I fair for me to even grade. I think you're underestimating Shannon's performance and skill and acting ability. Uh, I mean, he, he plays... If they were recasting Roots right now, Shannon would oh. have to be Fiddler. He would have to be Fiddler. <laughs> I mean, who else could play that role better than Shannon? All right, let's go to character. Uh, I don't think Shannon has any. I can't go into full detail, but punch it into Google. Uh, <laughs> Shannon Sharp's got enough issues for a whole human resources department uh, to be overseeing him. I give him a zero in character. Yeah, and not only that, uh, all that you got into, also, you kind of become a caricature based on what you said. He's one of my favorite athletes. I still believe he's the most underrated out of all those Denver Bronco teams in the 90s. He's on my Mount Rushmore of all-time tight ends. I, I thought he was a revolutionary guy at that position with what he can do. And, and to see him now, because he was a great media personality at one time, and he's a guy that's kind of been engulfed in all of this social media stuff and getting into issues, right? I just think he plays a part. I gave him a five. Uh, I used to like Shannon Sharp. He and uh, Tony Gonzalez were great friends during their playing days. Uh, Shannon Sharp's gimmick as a football player, his personality worked then. He certainly was a terrific awesome Hall of Fame uh, NFL tight end. And I liked him back then when he was authentic about who he was. Uh, he's now not authentic, and so I gave him a zero in authenticity. I went a little bit higher than you. Maybe he does believe some of that stuff, but a lot of these guys play a role. Um, I gave him a five. I, I don't know what to say about him at this point other than Look, he's good at what he does, sort of, except it turns off most of America. I don't – does that show really rate that, – that's the thing that kind of gets me. No. It's like Skip Bayless – it doesn't. And that's the thing. Skip Bayless was a real numbers ratings driver at ESPN at one point. I thought him and Stephen A. Smith 
really caught a lightning in a bottle. And quite frankly, I don't think the magic is still there. But we're talking about authenticity. Um, hmm. I, I went with the five based on what you told me. Uh, and is he one of those love the fruit, hate the tree guys? I mean, that's yeah, oh, he's definitely love the fruit. I yeah, mean, okay. he is well, definitely love the fruit, and he definitely pretends to hate the tree. Uh, but the reality is, he loves both. Uh, <laughs> but to your point, though, you, I'm gonna go with a serious point about Skip as a ratings driver, and because I was just in a discussion this week or late last week about. Uh, Stephen A. Smith's show, First Take, which competes against Undisputed, actually is experiencing ratings growth. The additions of Michael Irvin and even Mad Dog Russo, whose stick I don't like, but Stephen A. since jettisoning Max Kellerman, that show is actually improving and working, and they do a lot of silly stuff I don't like, but the ratings and the show is more enjoyable Sands Max Kellerman with the show built around Stephen A. Smith and the Mondays with Michael Irvin are spectacular. And there's some other guests that come on there and do a nice job. While Meanwhile, Undisputed is somewhat stuck in neutral or backsliding a little bit. Uh, so I wanted to add that a little bit of context. And then so as it relates to it factor, I got to give Shannon credit because I think uh, racist white liberals, I think, love Shannon Sharp. They love to see him groveling and minstreling and bojangling on that show. And so he has an it factor that white liberals love. They, they love to see black men acting unintelligent on TV, uh, and they love it. So I gave him a 15 in it factor. Yeah, I went a little bit higher than my other ratings. Look, he's on a major network. I, I guess he has a profile. He's been able to extend his broadcasting career, which you always thought he knew that he'd have. Um, the most memorable thing he ever did as a player, remember when he put on that Broncos head after <laughs> they won the championship? I said, you know, that's a colorful personality. Um, and he's been able no, to I thought extend it was, didn't, it. He, didn't he speak to the camera about call 911 or something well, or no, no, okay, call yeah, so in the truth? Well, here's what happened. They were in New England, and they were blowing him out in 96. And the Patriot fans were getting on him in Foxborough. And so he got on the phone and said, hey, 911, we got an emergency. We are killing we are killing New England. Please send help. And all the teammates were laughing. And then there's the other year, though, when they played the Falcons in the Super Bowl, him and Ray Buchanan, the cornerback for the Falcons, they were like LL Cool J and Cool Modig. They were going back and forth. It was one of the funniest feuds you'll ever see, but he wore that Broncos head. I'll never forget that. And he used to be a fun-loving guy. Like, you'd laugh at the stuff or you'd laugh with him. Now you just kind of cringe at him. I'll be honest. It's sad to see. But he's still a serviceable big name. I gave him a 10. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Al Sharp Tongue uh, is not as good as uh, the old Shannon Sharp. Uh, I agree. Uh, so I've got him at, we both have him at a dumpster fire. Yeah. I've got him at a 38. You've got him at a 30. You got him actually lower than me. You're not giving him credit for the minstrel show he's putting on. <laughs> uh, Steve, I'm going to cover one more topic with you. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to let you go. Soccer team, U.S. Uh, soccer team is over in Qatar. And their coach, uh, Greg Ber Berhalter, uh, gave a little comment yesterday backing up their decision. They're changing their logo 
to support the whole LGBT movement. Red, white, and blue are no longer the colors. They're going with the rainbow colors. Uh, here's their coach explaining why. Yeah, we've been talking to the team for the last 18 months about, um, about Qatar, about some um, social issues in Qatar. And we think it's important, like wherever, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, when we are on the world stage and we are in a venue like Qatar, it's important to, to bring awareness to these issues. And that's what Be The Change is about. Um, you know, it's, it's not just stateside that we want to bring attention to social issues. It's also um, abroad. And, you know, we recognize that Qatar has made strides and there has been a ton of progress, but there's still some, some work to do. And it's just about Be The Change basically represents everyone's um, individual opportunity to, to make change and to have change start with them. So I think it's appropriate that we have it here as well. You know, I think this little rainbow patch, I, I won't be shocked if in the next year, uh, same-sex marriage is probably legalized in Qatar after people see these <laughs> rainbow patches on our soccer team. I mean, things are going to change instantly, and those soccer players are certainly going to feel better about themselves uh, with those patches. Uh, hats off to them. What a virtue signal. I, I mean, this has Megan Rapinoe's fingerprints all over it, doesn't it? I mean, my God. So let me get this straight. You're playing in the world's most prestigious tournament in the world's game, right? I mean, this is kind of big, the World Cup. It's, it's, this, is the, this is the most important tournament in the world of any sport. And you're talking about LGBTQ rights. So really, in a team meeting, you're telling me that coach got everyone together and today, guys, uh, no, no film study today. Let, let's bring something up. We want to talk about this. Really? That, that's really what they're I – mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, and by the way, with Qatar, I have a feeling they're not going to change a damn thing. I, it, it, I, this is why I think a lot of people really just shut up and kick the ball. You're not going to change my mind. You're not going to change the minds of a lot of different people it doesn't matter. Uh, I feel bad for the coach because he's forced to say it. Look, that guy's getting an unbelievable opportunity to lead a team um, into a tournament that is incredibly prestigious. And now he's got to put up this front like, yeah, we really care. We really care. We really give a damn. We got to bring awareness. Oh, God. I, I'm going to tell you this again. Nothing is more ineffective in modern-day activism than, quote, unquote, bringing awareness. Bringing awareness is just being someone that is annoying, someone that is bothersome, someone that is irritating, but they get credit because at the end, when nothing changes, they say, well, I mean, we brought awareness. It's just, it's ridiculous. When I saw that, I'm like, okay. Yeah, now all that money that I was going to buy on U.S. soccer gear, now it's really not going to go to that. I, it's I don't even know what to say. Look, I am not a soccer fan or football, whatever they call it. I'm not going to watch a single minute. I'm really not. And I, I don't know how many people are not going to watch it at this point because of that. But um, that, that stuff to me, it, it's, over, it's overwrought now. It it's just simply happens too many times. And this is why... I think athletes really just play the damn game. We don't want to hear your proselytizing. I'm going to watch some of it. 
and I'll, what? I'm just being honest. Oh, and the reason God, why really? is because really? it's a true underdog story. It's the U.S. men. They're underdogs. We're terrible. And it would be incredible if they had no, any success. I complete, the oh, U.S. I women's soccer team, I have no interest in watching. Yeah, but, yeah, but the the whole what? thing turns me off. They're the favorites. You know, you know what I love? They, they beat up on. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Look, can I just, I'm going to say something rather unpopular here. I hope we're never good at men's soccer because I want all of our best athletes to be in football, baseball, basketball, stuff that matters. The day we win a major soccer tournament will be a sad day for America. Yeah, I said it. I want all of our best athletes playing football, dunking a basketball, hitting fastballs and curveballs. You know what? Run some track. I like track. But when I see the U.S. getting skunked, finishing 15th out of 16 teams, that makes me proud. That makes me proud as an American that we are terrible at soccer. In fact, you know what? I'll say it right now. I'm going to get one of those foam fingers with 555. We're number 15, and I hope we stay that way, (laughs) only in soccer. That's just my view. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. And you I hope the audience is paying attention. You right. just this is this is what you get with Steve Kim. It's why that, I'm that. the star of this show, uh, not Steve Kim. Thank you, Steve. We're gonna let you go so this show can get better. Bring on TJ <laughs> Moe and Delano Squires. Uh, you can email me and us fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. My fire starter. Next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You won't be asked to say the names of the three college football players shot and killed on the University of Virginia campus Sunday evening. Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry won't receive the George Floyd treatment. They're victims, not heroes or martyrs. Their murders don't advance a political agenda or racial narrative. Their statistics added to a familiar body count. Another trio of black boys murdered senselessly. According to the CDC, the fifth leading cause of death for black males is homicide. Murder doesn't crack the top 10 for white or Asian males. It's ranked number nine for Hispanic men. Murder is a rite of passage for young black men. We've normalized it to the point that it's celebrated in music. The only time we care is during the rare occurrence when a white man kills one of us while trying to exercise authority over our black bodies. You know all of this. The hypocrisy is pointed out every time a body drops in Chicago or Baltimore or New York City. So it's no surprise that Christopher Darnell Jr., Christopher Darnell Jones Jr.'s name disappeared from the headlines as soon as media outlets learned he looked nothing like Derek Chauvin. Jones killed Davis, Chandler, and Perry. Jones's name 
will be as forgettable as his victims by the end of today. No one wants to talk about Darnell Jones, Davis, Chandler, or Perry. No one wants to discuss the implications of this tragedy. ESPN and Fox Sports spent more time dissecting the ramifications of a Duke volleyball player allegedly being racially harassed at BYU than the death of three Division I football players. South Carolina women's basketball coach Don Staley canceled a game at BYU over safety concerns. I wonder how Staley would feel about playing at Virginia. Black-on-black violence is so acceptable now that we no longer even debate causes and cures. Or perhaps we refuse to discuss it because the culture disagrees with the cure. The destruction of the nuclear family is at the root of the violence plaguing black people. We should be talking about that today and virtually every day. The destruction of the family is at the root of nearly every problem plaguing America. You wanna know why the midterm elections did not reflect a repudiation of Joe Biden and the Democrat party? Because Democrats realize American citizens want a society and system geared to serve irresponsible individuals rather than intact families. Out of fear of being labeled racist or misogynistic, the media have failed to explain the full ramifications of a matriarchal society. The ramifications are on full display in black communities. A female-led world operates like the South Side of Chicago. It manufactures emotional men with little impulse control and emotional women with little sexual discipline. Homicide, by gun or abortion, runs rampant. Christopher Jones is yet another example of this phenomenon. His father divorced his mom when Jones was a five-year-old. Christopher never engaged with his father again until he was a teenager. Eventually, according to a 2018 feature story in the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Christopher went to live with his grandmother, Mary Jones. His aunt, Sandra Jones, was his most important influence. According to the same story, his father's abandonment left him angry, solemn, and quick to fight. A good student, Jones's temper provoked numerous school suspensions. He walked on the Virginia football team. He lasted a season before giving up. Families are meant to be led by men. Nearly 75% of black children grow up in single parent homes. The chaos created by this dysfunction shows up in academic performance, drug uses, incarceration rates, teenage pregnancy rates, and homicide rates. Corporate media promotes bogus research that argues black fathers outside the home spend more time with their kids than other fathers inside the home. It's all an obvious lie. The lies are backed by Hollywood fantasy movies and TV shows depicting black girl magic. Female warriors in Dahomey, Africa, slay white colonizers and end the slave trade in The Woman King. The new Black Panther movie tells the story of Wakanda's bald-headed lesbians partnering with Black Panther's sister and an American teenage girl, MC Lightweight, to fight off a Mexican swimming team. The same people who love to see heavy-set 51-year-old Queen Latifah 
jump off balconies and beat up men in the equalizer are flocking to see Wakanda forever. This is the American future China is paying Hollywood to promote. The Chinese Communist Party wants all of America to embrace the matriarchy and Wakanda. The CCP campaigns for a Lori Lightfoot to run every major city or an emasculated secular man. China loves the American matriarchy. China smiles every time a fatherless American child turns murderous. Every time an American woman runs to Planned Parenthood after a one night stand. Every time American men choose diversity, inclusion, and equity over the meritocracy. Corporate media won't talk about Christopher Jones because the puppet masters know where the conversation will eventually lead. The price tag for the disruption of the nuclear family is going to cost all of us the American freedom we've taken for granted. Black people in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Indianapolis have been paying that price for decades. They go through metal detectors before entering nightclubs. They have bars on their home windows. They pray their kids don't get in a dispute with a fatherless child. They're prisoners of the fear created by the destruction of family. You're next. That's your future. That's the future they have designed for all of us. A total destruction of the family structure will destroy and is destroying America. It's why you don't feel safe in your home. It's why these elections didn't go the way you thought they would. We're not a country built on families and supportive families. We're a country right now built on servicing irresponsible individuals. This is not good. And men need to wake up and quit being afraid of being called sexist or misogynist or racist by saying, I don't want anything to do with this matriarchal culture. It's chaos. It's the death of your children. It's the prioritizing of feelings over facts and logic. It's why your kids Wait, hey, I want to be a girl. Hey, I want to be a boy. Get me surgery. Give me puberty blockers. Because everything's about feelings. And I'm I love women. I do, and I respect them. But this is out of control. This whole little myth that, oh, if the world was just led by women. If we just empowered women, let's lean into women. Oh, things are going to be so much better. Go look at the facts. Take the racism out of your eyes and mind and quit thinking, oh, well, you know, black people got a matriarchal culture and it's total chaos, but it's because they're black. No, it's because women are not meant to lead. Go grab your Bible. Go grab some common sense. It's not the race. It's the gender in leadership positions. We're built 
different by God's design. We think and operate differently by God's design. You put women in charge of the culture. You're going to get the results we as black people are getting. Don't be a fool and let your wife, girlfriend, mistress, daughter, whomever talk you into, oh, <laughs> that's just black people. No, us white girls, us Asian women, us Hispanic, we got this. We're not like those black women. We would never create that kind of mess. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. That's why there are men swimming against women at Ivy League schools, because no one wants to hurt anybody's feelings. Nobody wants to be grounded completely in truth and logic and fact. We're wor running around worried about feelings. Right now, today, I could not do this fire starter. I could do a different monologue because I know I'm hurting some feelings. And I know I'm making people uncomfortable. And I know I'm making people think I'm a sexist pig. I'm not. I just happen to believe in the Bible and common sense and the reality that men and women are different. We have different roles in this society. You turn the society over to women, it's going to look like the south side of Chicago. Period. End of discussion. TJ Moe. <clears throat> I'm bringing in you into a real fire. Hope I don't cost you your marriage uh, by making you discuss this. <laughs> but you, 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 you got no choice. TJ, I'm just telling you, I'm, they, they've silenced all of us with this fear of being labeled as sexist, misogynist, or racist. And, and so people won't speak what's plain and simple right in our face. This this little fantasy world they have where, oh, my God, if women are in control, we're, it's going to be utopia. It's going to be just like Wakanda. They're going to have vibranium and nothing bad's going to happen. It's a myth. It's a joke. I, I, I contend that, again, America's future on the direction we're headed, it's all going to be the south side of Chicago. Chaos, no yeah. emotional control. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, or St. Louis. That's where I live. St. Louis has the highest um, murder per capita in the United States. In 2020, we hit a 50-year high. It was 87 people per 100,000. I do real estate here in St. Louis. There is an entire segment of the city that I have to block off. And I know 20 other real estate investors. They block it off, too. You can't go north of Highway 40. You can't go east of Goodfellow Road. It's a war zone, and everybody knows it. And so, I mean, it's just, look, we've had the same stuff here. Who, who's our house rep from City of St. Louis? Corey Bush, the leader of the defund the police movement. Um, Tashira Jones is our mayor. It's a matriarchy in North St. Louis as well, and St. Louis City. And so, you know, as it relates to my wife, she agrees with us, or she wouldn't have married me. That would be a tough sledding for her. <laughs> 
I wish, because there are a segment, we, we don't get, give a lot of credit to these people. There's a serious segment of women who are in full agreement with us. And my wife is one of them. She doesn't want to be the leader of our family. The stuff that men are tasked with doing, women are not built to do. And, and the ones who embrace their biblical role don't want to do that, right? They want to be mothers. They, my, my wife still works, but we have discussions daily about when she can quit her job so that she can be a full-time mother, right? That it's just, there is, a, there is a wiring that we have decided since the 1960s, Lyndon B. Johnson decided that we were going to have this um, women's empowerment movement. We've had three or four waves of feminism now, and we have decided the government can play daddy, right? It's um, Gloria Steinman, uh, women need men like fish need a bicycle. And how's that working out for us? And it's not your, your, your second monologue or your riff session where you're talking about how, hey, it ain't because we're black. Because and, and that's obviously true because the white women who are trying it too are seeing the same results. There are you go look at the statistics of single mother homes, and it's a disaster no matter what color you are. And the groups, because we group everybody together, when you look at Asians versus whites versus blacks, who's doing the best? Asians. Who has the lowest rate of single motherhood? Asians. Then whites are next then blacks are after that, right? And that's the order. If you, want your, if you want your kids to succeed, but people talk about this all the time. It was a study by the, the Brookings Institute. Three things you gotta do. Get a job, graduate high school, and don't have kids before you get married. That, people talk about that all the time. But what they don't do is put that up against the statistics with fatherless households, okay? So get a job. You are 70% more likely to be idle in your mid-20s. This according to, to Brad Wilcox, National Marriage Project of University of Virginia. 70% more likely to be sitting around doing nothing in your 20s. Well, that's gonna lead to poverty if you don't have a father in the home growing up. As it relates to graduating high school, you're 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. You're twice as likely there. And don't get pregnant. Well, 71% of the total teenagers who get pregnant are from fatherless homes. So these three simple things you gotta do. 97% of people who do those th three simple things will not be in permanent poverty in the United States. It's the land of opportunity for everyone. And so what you're doing as a father who's knocking up a woman and leaving, or a woman who's having promiscuous sex and deciding she doesn't need a man, I need a man like a fish needs a bicycle, you're guaranteeing, or at least giving a serious uh, hurdle to your children by not having a father in the home, doing those three things, 97% chance just do them. But instead you're saying, now nah, I'm gonna worry about me and not my kids. Good luck, kids. TJ, there's a lot of postmortems going on about the midterm elections. And the more I think about it, I think everybody's missing the boat. It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. And what I think the Democrats have figured out long ago, because this is a 60-year plan unfolding and coming to a crescendo, is all of their policies and everything they're doing is, is a concern and a policy intended to cover up for irresponsible behavior. And so in this last election cycle, people were looking at like, Oh man, 71% or some high percentage of young people voted for the Democrats. And basically, and, and they're going, you know what Joe Biden did? He said, 
right shortly before the election cycle, hey, you know what, if you got some student loan you can't pay off, we're gonna cover 10,000 of it or some portion of it. You've been irresponsible, you've loaded up on uh, debt uh, in pursuit of a college education, we're gonna cover it for you. That's a bribe. And that's why young people turned out for the Democrats because they accepted that bribe. And so I look at our modern society, it's geared towards irresponsible individuals rather than families. And what the other side, if they were real about what they were trying to do, is they would constantly be talking about families and building a society that rewards responsible families. Don't sit around and build a society built for Jason Whitlock. Build a society built for TJ Moe, Delano Squires, Dave Shannon, Anthony Walker, Royce White, Virgil Walker, build a society for them. And then that will make me have no choice, but well, I gotta do like they're doing because this whole society is geared towards them. And inst instead, everything is, oh my God, we gotta have abortion because there's no way you're responsible enough to wear a condom, take birth control, or practice abstinence. So we have to build a society that allows you to kill your babies and so you can continue to be irresponsible. Every, I, I, this is so clear cut and so just clear to me that even a baby can see one group is building a society for the irresponsible and the other group isn't objecting strongly enough to what they're doing and seem to be just pretending to be against it while doing their insider trading and getting rich. Uh, but at some, we're all going to be living like we're on the south side of Chicago or somewhere in New York on a New York City subway if we don't stand up and say what's obvious. I was reading right before I came on here, I believe uh, the Senate is trying to codify Oberfell in this coming week. And that is the same sex uh, marriage dealer trying to, you know, th that was a court ruling and now they're trying to codify it into law. And so um, when you said the, the one side's not objecting, there's your proof, right? It's like we've bought into the lie that there's no objective best practice, that all behavior is equal. And it's just not true. The objective best practice is father, mother, child. That's it. We know that. It comes from God. It's also based by all statistics, right? Everything I just laid out for you was not, well, if you got two moms, you, you're less likely to drop out of school. If you got two dads, you're less likely. No, it's father, mother, you do really well. If one of them are gone, you don't do nearly as well, particularly the father when it comes to young men. And so you know, to your point about irresponsibility, Divorce rate hit about 50%. That was an all-time high. That's actually shrinking right now. And everybody's acting like that's good news. It's not good news. Do you know why it's shrinking? Because the marriage rate is hitting all-time lows right now. So people aren't getting divorced because they're not getting married. So it's like if you finally jump in, you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm the outlier. I'll stay with my wife as the people like me. But nobody's getting married and nobody's having kids. There are very few countries in all of the West right now uh, that have a replacement level 
when it comes to having kids. So you don't want to get married. That would be a responsibility. You don't want to have kids. That would be a huge responsibility. I've got a kid and another one on the way, and I want several more. And and I, I'm at one right now, and I'm not sure how I'm going to do two. But we're going to keep going, and responsibility requires that, right? And you should have some general obligation when you're raising kids to think about the country. It's, you know, you've mentioned before that, hey, you should get an extra vote. If you're married, you should get an extra vote. And, and I'm like, I, I'm only half serious when I'm saying this, but I'm like, I don't know if single people should get a serious vote because who do you have to think about? I, really, I don't know. Who, who else do you have to think about? I have to think about my wife Yourself. and my kids. Yeah. And it's like, do you really want to have a population who's voting for their best interest right now? And if you're 75 years old and you're single by yourself, it's like, let's vote to go into $12 trillion worth of debt tomorrow. Because who cares? I'm dead in five years. Right? It's, it's a really bad position. And then the abortion thing is the obvious. We The sexual revolution that started, what, in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, you've just decided, hey, it's all good. We can kill our babies so we can we, we don't need a father. The government will step in if we have to have this kid. But why worry about it all? We can just kill this kid and 50, but this is a stunning statistic that I, I can't believe doesn't get more attention. If you have one, 50% of women who have one abortion have at least two. I, I'm just floored by that. It's like, it's not a mistake thing. This is your birth control. And if, and, and what we always talk about, if you don't value life, what, if you don't value life, you shouldn't get a vote in how you go about valuing life, because that's government, right? Taking care of life. If you actually don't value life, you shouldn't get a say-so in this. TJ, the final thing I want to talk to you about is I argue in my mono column that <clears throat> China loves all of this and is financing, <laughs> in my view, Hollywood, the television industry, and all, they're promoting the matriarchy here. And, and they're not, they're promoting emasculated men here, they're promoting masculine men there, but when I look at movies like The Black Panther, The Woman King, TV shows like The Equalizer, I'm just like, who, 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 who is supporting, who's financing, who's promoting this, and to me it's, it can only be the enemy of America that is financing and promoting. So whatever country, whether it's Saudi Arabia, whether it's, I, I don't know who, China, I do believe, they all want to see us go down this path and they keep putting out movie after movie after movie. And, and I saw, and we're gonna talk about the Wakanda Forever movie tomorrow in detail. I went to see it. Shamika, Anthony, I think we had Lauren Chin and uh, Delano, but this little fantasy world that Hollywood keeps pumping out that Queen Latifah at 280 pounds and 50 some odd years old is jumping off balconies and beating up men and that uh, lesbian, uh, ball-headed <laughs> lesbians are running Wakanda and and taking on, you know, Mexican gangs and the whole West and all that. And I just, China loves what we're doing. This works really well for them. Oh, why wouldn't you love it? 
we're destroying ourselves. And then we argue about it internally. We don't have to have anybody else argue outside of us. China's also, by the way, not doing the things that we're doing. They're just applauding us for doing it, right? It's, this, is, this is a group of people who is actively carrying out the genocide of the Uyghurs, and nobody says anything about it because they're getting paid too much. That Royce talks about this all the time. That the, uh, In China, as we're having less kids, China's having more. You remember for a long time, China, you could only have one kid. And I think it was 2016. They're like, no, let's kick it up to two. And then like two years after that, three years after that, they're like, okay, let's do three. Seriously, we're going to have a societal collapse if we have a population uh, decrease like this. So now they're actively trying to get as many people to have kids as possible while we're saying with the with the green new deal oh we couldn't possibly imagine bringing a child into this world it's like you know i want to be dave shannon i need seven kids i need if you give me 12 you know as many as my wife will give me that's how many i want this this um cnn ran something today because i guess we're supposed to hit eight billion people as of today on on planet earth and the idea immediately becomes, how can this world possibly handle this? And we're going to destroy ourselves, overpopulation. And we got all of the, the Bill Gates and these depopulation losers all in agreement with them. They're like, we've got to find a way to curb this population growth. And we're like, all right, you first, man. It's like, <laughs> we're definitely not going to tell our kids that they can't exist. I want to have kids. They deserve to have a life. How about you? And then a group of you that hate yourselves in America, go ahead. You know, it's it's a serious problem a across the world is a problem. And it's not just America. We're we're the forefront of everything. Everybody keeps up with us. I, I um, bought a house from a guy from uh, from England, the other from the UK. And he knew everything about American politics. Every last thing. He lives in the UK, came over here because his his dad was here and he was selling his house and he was going back to the UK. He knew everything. Everybody keeps up with us. So we're at the forefront of this, but the whole West, it's a collapse in values. And so uh, I, the way out is what we're talking about, but it sure feels like we're, we're talking to ourselves a lot of times because after last Tuesday, with all this stuff going on, it's like, how many drag shows do we have to have for people's eyes to open? I, I don't understand. Thank you, TJ. Great job as always. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. You can email me at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get a little smarter. Delano Squires. It's my obligation on hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to get a little smarter and a little deeper. Uh, I've been dying to talk with Delano today about today's fire starter. Uh, TJ did an awesome job. 
but just be keeping it real, this this topic is ready made for Delano. Uh, Delano, uh, come help your boy out. Uh, I don't think we're going to be hearing a lot about Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. after today. He's not going to be treated the way George Floyd was, uh, or the victims won't be treated the way George Floyd was, and he and Darnell Jones won't be treated the way Derek Chauvin was. Uh, we don't seem to want to ever talk about black-on-black -black violence, no matter who it touches. Three college kids, three college mm. football players with bright futures shot down, and this story will be it's, it's already gone from the national spotlight, but it'll never be discussed again probably after today. Yeah, Jason, um, you know, before I came on, I just did a quick search on YouTube and I wanted to see if First Take had done anything on, on the shooting. And to be fair, I mean, it's still early on in the investigation, so there, there's still some details that need to be worked out. Like, I, I still don't have a clear sense of the motive, but the only thing I saw on First Take was a, a, a video that was about a minute maybe a minute 30 long by Molly, laying out the, the very basics of the case. One student shot three other students, you know, um, three other uh, student athletes, and saying, you know, we'll, we'll have more coverage on ESPN and SportsCenter. And that was it. But to your point, you know, when it's Rachel Robinson and allegations of, of hate speech at, at BYU, I mean, they spent days. They had it on Outside the Lines, they had it on First Take, they had multiple segments on First Take, and then they had segments to correct the previous segments where, you know, Stephen A ended up uh, trying to distance himself from, from his shoddy, you know, reporting and journalism the first time. So yeah, it, the, the play on these things is always predictable. What they'll do, to your point, if the shooter is white and the victims are black, they'll play up the racial angle regardless of what the actual circumstances are. Um, if the shooter um, is not white, let's say the shooter is black, an instance like this, um, if the people involved, if the victims are not famous, right, if, if they don't lend themselves to a specific network's demographics, then you won't hear about that case at all. At all. The only reason we're talking about it today is because these, these are three football players. Um, if, if this was just you know, three guys who lived in, in, in Hampton, Virginia or Charlottesville, and they were three black guys who got shot on the same night, this, this wouldn't even be a story. You can't, you, that's not even a story of Baltimore or Philadelphia. And if forced to say something, the usual suspects will say, okay, I can't go to race angle because there's no white guy here. All right, I can't go the sexism angle because the, there's not a woman victim. So there's always a, th a third angle, which is tried and true. is a, It's a it's a, a a reliable backstop like Pudge Rodriguez, and that's the gun angle. So they'll say, I'm tired of the, the thoughts and prayers. Uh, F you NRA, and we need to do something about gun violence, and then that'll be it. They'll give that obligatory tweet, that obligatory statement, and then they'll move on to something that is more interesting to them. And that'll probably be the last that you hear of that particular case. Why is that? Why is black on black violence so acceptable in American culture? Um, I think the answer is, is fairly simple. Um, it, it's multifaceted, but it's simple. Uh, the, the, the sort of top line reason at this point 
is that the black community, sort of the, the mainstream black left, um, we don't have leaders, Jason. The people that we that we think are leaders, and I'm not just saying they're, they're not leaders because oh nobody's listening to, you know Stephen A. or they're not listening to Barack Obama. I'm not. I'm not that's not my argument, right? There are people. There are people who follow these people, who get their views shaped by these people. We don't have leaders because the most influential people in the black community, the aristocracy, the five P's, the politicians, the pundits, the professors the preachers and the performers don't lead black folk because they never tell us that we have to correct or do anything. The the people who we think of as black leaders are really white leaders because they spend all of their time um, trying to correct the behavior and the thoughts and the actions of white people. So in this, Jason, you know this, you know, as a college athlete, when your coach came or your position coach came, they coached you. They, they didn't coach your opponent. They told you what you had to clean up. They said, no, you, you got to turn that foot in. You got to sh- strike the, the, the defensive lineman in his chest in this particular position. And that's how you know you were getting coached. But if you came into film session and your coach just spent 25 minutes on some other player and they never addressed anything that you had to clean up, then you would say, well, this guy's not, he's not concerned with my growth or development. He's leading somebody else. And that's what we have in the black community today. So n- none of these people ever has anything to say about anything that we, black folk, need to do to improve the conditions in our own families and communities. All of their commentary is geared towards white people. White people must buy these books, listen to these podcasts, live in these neighborhoods, go to these schools, post these messages. And that's and that's all it is over and over again. And I think that that had been simmering under the surface for a while. But George Floyd's death brought that all the way to the surface. And, and I, I at love first, where you just. I love where you just took my head mm. because I'm literally sitting there thinking about being a football coach. Let's say I'm Bill Belichick and let's say I'm playing the New York Jets this week. And let's say he Bill Belichick kept going to his team, the Patriots, and saying, here's what the Jets need to do in order for us to be successful. And so every day this week, he would go in and say, if the Jets do this and this and this, we'll be successful. His players would look at him like, well, what do we need to do? They're paying you money to tell us what we need to do. You're telling us what the Jets need to do in order for us to be successful. He would be looked at as a fool and run out. But all of Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson back when he was functional and whoever they allow on TV, you're right. They spend their entire time coaching the other team. Yep. And, and I don't understand why we tolerate it or why it's allowed or why how they get away with that or how we can't see that that's what we're doing. I mean, we, we could push the analogy forward. I think the reason why is because um, most players would rather focus on the faults and the flaws of somebody else than their own. No guy wants to sit in film session for 45 minutes going over how, how he missed the block or he missed an assignment or he dogged a route. So when, when, when these quote unquote leaders do their shtick, and they say, oh, it's white people. But you know, it's white, 
it's, it's white flight if white people leave the neighborhood. It's gentrification if they move into the neighborhood. But at always and at all times, their goal is to keep us focused on race and to keep us focused on the things that white people say, do, and think. And that is the actual uh, white supremacy that is most prevalent um, in the black community today. That, that is the true white superiority complex. If, if, if the white man does it, it is very important. If he says a crossword, it's very important. If he says the same words that you, Mr. Black Man, say, it's very important. But when you say something, right, when, when you degrade a, a, a black woman, when you promote violence against black men, it's not nearly as important. And that's why Don Imus got run off the air and Snoop Dogg gets to smoke reefer with Martha Stewart. So this, this is where we are, you know, as, as a community. And, and getting back to the, to the actual the question you asked me, um, there's, there's no uglier truth in our community than what you talked about. The black homicide victimization rate is seven times higher than that of whites. I've said this to people multiple times on Twitter. I've posted the, the, the links to the data and the graphs. You literally cannot graph the two on the same chart. For whites, their, their graph on the y-axis tops out at about 20. For us, ours starts after zero, starts at about 50. So you, you can't graph the two on the same. And, and, and you, you pulled out the number in terms of overall um, leading cause of death for, for black males. So that, that's from like one to whatever the, the age is, right? But when you look at those smaller age breakdowns, and, and CDC used to have it broken up really finely. Now they do, they do from like one to 19. And I think they do from, you know, maybe 20 to 44, something to that effect. It's the leading cause of death in both of those two groups. Um, for that first group, I think it's like 35%. For the second group, it's about 24%. But Jason, even that doesn't really capture the picture because I, I've, I've done the data, I've gone into the actual report. When you go from 15 to 24 of the, of the black males in that age category who, who die, obviously tragically, 50% of them die by homicide. And this tracks with what all of us, if you've grown up within 65 miles of a city, you understand this, and I, and I can name them, from, from New York down to, to Charlotte, to Miami, to Atlanta, to Cleveland, to New Orleans, to, to Chicago, to St. Louis, to Baltimore, to Philly, to Compton, all of those cities in which there's some significant black population, every one of us is gonna know, many of us know people personally who've been killed, Right. And, and all of us know the, the crime stats in those cities. So even if your city and I grew up in New York City where, you know, you got relatively equally uh, equal sort of population groups, relatively speaking, but more equal in most cities, white, black, Asian, Hispanic. In New York City, 96 percent of the homicide victims are black and Hispanic. Now, the problem is that now that would be a cause for national outrage if it wasn't also the case that. 90 plus percent of, of the perpetrators are black and Hispanic. And when you are a community that roots your identity in the notion of being oppressed, then you see yourself in the person who's a victim of a racist criminal justice system and not uh, see, and you don't see yourself in the person who's the victim of violent crime. And that's why the BLMs and the Sharptons and all the other the, the usual suspects in the media will will step over dead bodies in their own neighborhoods 
Because some of these people are from Detroit. They're from Philly. They're from D.C. They'll step over those bodies to go find a guy in in Sheboygan, Sheboygan somewhere, right? Some place they never heard of. And they say, oh, wow, this, this guy was shot by a police officer. This guy was killed by a vigilante. That's really important news. And that's why, Jason, when I would go on the route, the Griot and Black News Channel for the short period of time it was up, I couldn't find any crime story from any major city, no matter how horrific, and it didn't matter if it was a toddler who got shot in the chest or a seven-year-old in a, in a, in a McDonald's uh, drive-through, Jaslyn Adams in, in Chicago, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Devel Crawford, I think, in Devel Gardner in New York City, a month after the Amy Cooper thing, the, 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 the quote-unquote Karen bird watcher who harassed the black dude, the dog walker who harassed the black bird watcher, that got national media coverage. 11-month-old boy gets shot in the chest in, 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 a, in a stroll in Brooklyn. Barely, barely local coverage. So we, we, we don't see ourselves as victims of violent crime. For us, it's always about the system and it's always about uh, white supremacy. So I'll probably take some blowback and be accused of being a sexist pig, but I, I stand by it that a female-led society, culture, whatever, uh, is going to look like the south side of Chicago. And I offer mm. as proof black communities that are led by women, matriarchal culture, and I look at the chaos and I say, See, these are the, we're the lab rats. Look at how the experiment's going. And if the rest of you all go down this matriarchal path, it's going to happen to you as well. This isn't a skin color thing. This mm -hmm. is a cultural thing. And if you just go look at what God wanted and how we're designed, it's not to be led by women. And so I, I just, I, I, am I wrong for like this whole little fantasy we have that if black women or women were put in charge of everything, the world would be a more peaceful place. I say, go look at the data. Black women are in control of black culture. Is it a more peaceful place? I mean, I don't think you're wrong at all because I start from a very simple position. The designer is the definer. And if you believe that human beings are created, are created by God, which I do, then you have to ask yourself, well, how did, how did God order his creation? How did he design it? And if you go according to the design, then more often than not, things will work out for you. If you go completely against the design, then you're going to have all types of problems. Again, I, I, I like to make stuff simple, right? If, if every one of us has probably, you know, had a flat tire at some point, you, you open up your trunk, you take out the spare, you change it, you go on about your business. And then when you have time, you go to the shop and you get your, your tire patched and replaced. No one in their right mind would buy a car off a lot if it already had a spare on it. Because you understand that driving it that way off the lot means that it's never gonna reach peak performance. Now, just because you have four good tires and you do regular oil changes doesn't mean that you're not going to encounter maintenance issues because everybody encounters maintenance issues. What I'm saying is when you go against the design specs, when you don't, when you have a spare and then you uh, underinflate the other tires when you when you don't do regular oil changes when you don't um, do tune-ups 
you're guaranteed that your car is not going to work. And and in communities where the roles that have been given to men are being fulfilled by women or worse, by children, the number of black kids who, who are really raising their own siblings. My wife was a social worker for five years in D.C. We worked in the same building. Sometimes I would see her downstairs as she was doing visits with families. I would hear all the stories of, of mothers, 24 years old, six kids, right? One or two of the kids out wandering on the street all hours of the night. Ten-year-old is basically the man of the house, is raising everybody, making sure everybody gets to school. When, when, when that becomes uh, part of the norm for a particular community, you're going to have trouble. And, and, and part of the problem is oftentimes we focus this on, on the effect on children, and there is an effect, but there's also an effect on women. This is why you hear, you hear so many black women say in, 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 uh, simultaneously, we want the power, we want the control. When black women lead, everybody is better off. We saved democracy. We donned our cape. We saved the country. And then two minutes later, it's so hard on us. What, nobody checks to see if we're okay. And, and when do I get time for myself? And so on and so on and so forth. I, I saw there was a round table of, uh, you know, uh, MSNBC's finest. You know, Joy Reid, Tiffany Cross, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Tarana Burke, the start of the Me Too stuff. And, and, and this is what they were saying. They want the power. They want the juice. But then they're trying to figure out why nobody's coming to check on them. Well, that's because people don't tend to come and check on 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 the, the general. I mean, they may serve him. He may, he may have an assistant. But the, if, if you want the lead, right, it's like asking for the sun and wanting the light but not the heat. This is all that comes with it. And this is why most guys, generally speaking, don't get, particularly not masculine men, don't get on platforms to complain about how hard life is for them. Right? Oh, my gosh. Oh. Right. There's no, uh, you know, coal miners, YouTube, but the guys come on face covered in soot and they, oh, it's so hard. That's part of the deal. When you're a man and you support your family, that's part of the deal. But these women, again, they want the light, but not the heat. And, and I think it's high time that we get honest with ourselves that this arrangement in our communities is not working. It's not working for anybody. The men don't have responsibility, and, and, and a man without a job and purpose and an objective is a dangerous man. The women don't have support or provision or protection, and the kids have none of those things. And, and that is not a recipe for success. That's a, that's a recipe for failure. So I, I didn't totally flesh out this idea in my mono or column, but it's certainly what I believe. The, the, the matriarchy produces weak and emotional men. And, and, and you can see it in all, I, I see it, and maybe it's just because I'm old, but, but when I look out and I see all these athletes and just men in general, they're all coloring their hair now. And, and I'm just, <laughs> Where did, and, and they're all spending time. And again, I don't mean this to offend any of these athletes. Take, take Derrick Henry, who I think is a great NFL player. But I couldn't imagine spending the time twisting my hair that it takes 
to, to, to have those dreads or whatever he has. I look this yesterday during my workout. I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to take athletes out of it. I'm going to talk about somebody I happen to like. Mike Todd, the minister out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, was working out yesterday watching his sermon from Sunday. Cuffing, it's cuffing season. People are cuffed to cash. It's a good sermon. But I'm looking at this dude's hair, mm. and I'm looking at all the time he spent getting it braided up in a certain way, and I was thinking to myself, how do you have time for that? You're leading a huge church, a huge church with a lot of young people. And you got time that that's got to take a couple of hours, three hours or whatever. So once or twice a week. I don't know. Maybe if it's only once a month, I'm like, how do you have time? Who, who what man has time to care that much about his hair? Mm. And, and, and then when I look at the dudes with all the different haircuts and then just keeping it all the way real, when I, I don't know whether what all these feminized men that I now see, particularly among us, I'm, I can only go anecdotally, but it's like mm. even when I go back to my college, Ball State, and I look around, I'm like, whew, high percentage of dudes. And I don't even say this negatively, I'm just trying to say it accurately. Flaming, on fire, <laughs> sashaying, and dressed in a way. And I'm like, we got, the, the Ball State, I went there. There's gay white kids. I don't mm. see them flaming like this. I don't see mm. them, th they carry themselves completely differently. It's like, our kids are on fire. And I'm like, it can only be a result of this very matriarchal culture we have. And kid, my father took me to the barbershop. I never, my mother went to the beauty shop by herself. I never went with her as far as I, I can remember. Many, many trips to the barbershop. I look at these dudes now and I'm like, oh, they've been, grew up going to the beauty shop with their mama their whole life. Now they're getting their hair twisted. Now they're getting it colored. Now they're getting it, all, all, and I'm just, how do you have to, say so anyway, the matriarchy produces weak, emasculated, emotional men. <laughs> so Jason, you put me in a tough spot. I was telling Hadley last night, when I was in college, like a lot of guys that I knew, I had I grew my hair out. I always used to grow my hair out, but my dad was making me cut it for the new school year. But when I was on my own, I grew it out. I had braids. This was around the Allen Iverson time. So there was a girl from Philly who would braid my hair. She knew how to do the fish braids. Nah, I never had that much hang time, but I tried. And um, and then and then I used to wear my hair twisted. Um, and I mean that was my style. That was low maintenance for me, and it saved me money on haircuts. But I, I, I do see what you're saying. I see, you know, I, I think like DK Metcalf, I see guys with pink and green and neon. And, and to me, it just strikes me as weird, right? It's just that's, that's not my thing. I didn't, I didn't grow up in that era. If you were a guy, you had like, I don't know, blonde tips or highlights or something. That was, that was a lot for, for my era. But I, 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 I do think um, this, the feminization of, of the culture um, is expressed in a number of different ways. And you don't even have to be a guy who's raised exclusively by women to feel this, right? Um, you, you can see it in some of the dress, and, and obviously, particularly when we talk about hip hop culture, now you see guys, the young thugs, guys trying to normalize wearing dresses, and when Dwayne Wade was painting his nails, there's, there's a lot of boundary pushing, and I get it. Artists occupy a different space, 
I never would have dressed like Prince if I was a teenager in the 80s, but, but he was Prince. Nobody disrespected him. He's like, okay, it's Prince. It's David Bowie. Some of these guys are just weird like that. But now that's become mainstream. And every other week, Vogue or some other rag is trying to tell you that Harry Styles is, you know, he's, he's the man you should aspire to. But it's, it's also in conduct and behavior. And I, I grew up around dudes who were you know, they were like water. They, they, were st- they were still. Now, sometimes they would get upset at us as teenagers because we would do stupid stuff and they would discipline us. But I, I noticed, particularly over the last like 10 years, and I think the Internet has made this worse. A lot of guys have, have become comfortable being gossipy. And, and their conversations sound, sound like hen parties. It's a lot of chirping and a lot of, you know, and, and even older men. And I haven't talked about this individual in a while because, you know, he, he sort of faded off the radar. But like when I when I read some of Roland Martin's tweets, I legitimately legitimately ask myself, does he have like a a 22 year old female intern tweeting for him? Because Jason and, and, I, and I lied, I lied to you not. And I hope if you clip this, you clip this in context. because I don't want to get put out there like I'm advocating a different lifestyle. But when I read his tweets, this is the way I read them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's a lot of neck rolling. I said, this guy, this guy's like 50 something. You know what I mean? Well, like, how did we get here? Because it's like, when I was growing up, men of that age, and, and our parents had us young, so, you know, we were into our mid 20s, you know, by the time our parents hit 50, they weren't like that. They were solid. They, again, they, they weren't rah rah guys, but they were solid, they were immovable. But now every everybody is 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 a is a neck roller, right? Um, I, I text you last night. I was reading the the the. It was just a tweet from NPR's culture critic Eric Deggins, and the number of times when he was talking about Dave Chappelle, and the number of times he used the term harmful and it created a harm and people were hurt and all sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, this guy's a culture critic. He takes on black culture, and these are the things that harm him. And I asked you, and I'll, and I'll be candid, and, I, and again, I'm not trying to make it personal, but I said, this guy's, this, his writing is so moist. There was no other word that I have for it. You know what I mean? It's, 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 these guys are soft. And, and the, particularly in our community, where this dynamic has been out of whack for a long time, the women are hard, and the men are soft. There are a lot of dudes growing up right now, Jason, men who are more feminine than their mothers. And that's a problem. Because when you're like that, no woman, as much as she says she's an ally and she's down for, you know, this, that, and the next, and it's okay if you experimented with, with guys back in the day, I'm, 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 you know, I'm open-minded. No woman wants a man like that. You can't have two soft people. Some, if, if, if the thing is falling apart, somebody's got to be there solid. And if it's the woman that's always solid and the man is always freaking out, eventually she's going to say, why do I need you? You're more emotional than I am. And, and going back to your original point, th- this is why um, f- female rule, oftentimes, particularly in, in the scripture, in the Old Testament, was a sign of God's judgment. Because it means that men have vacated their rightful place. And if there's one place you can see this as clear as day in the culture... It is the role that women have played or not played as it relates to the trans stuff. Because I said this last week, the, 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 the women who have spent a, a lifetime talking about how hard it's been 
to advance in corporate America or media or, or some other industry, academia, when they got faced with somebody who said, well, I'm more oppressed than you are, they have no defense mechanisms. And that's why I said these women have finally found a group of men that they can submit to because they're quiet and they will throw all of their sisters under the bus. As I said, the women at ESPN, they have nothing to say for the teenage girls crying out for true sisterhood, saying, Jamel Hill, L. Duncan, Mina Kimes, Sarah Spain, help me. Boys are dominating us in, in track. In fact, one of the cases was in Connecticut, probably right down the street from Bristol. Stone's throw from headquarters. And the women at ESPN, they're looking, they can see the track in the distance and they see the guys lapping the girls with, with, with kicking up dirt in the girl's face. And they said, well, sucks for them. I'm, I'm on to something else. I, I heard some uh, fake hate crime happen in Alabama with, uh, with uh, Bubba Wallace and a piece of rope. That's the real story. <laughs> so it's like all across the culture, you can see what happens when people are weak, um, when they're feeble, when they're afraid of being criticized. Um, and it, it does no one any good. We're going to get into this tomorrow, but we'll, we'll put a little teaser appetizer out <laughs> here uh, right now. Is Part of my argument is like China, through the financing of Hollywood movies and TV shows, is, is promoting the destruction of the American family. Mm. And... I, I think we, we looked at it this weekend, those of us that went to go see Wakanda forever. Uh, if you've ever watched the Sunday NFL game on CBS and seen Jim Nance promoting the equalizer and Queen Latifah <laughs> at 280, 290 pounds, 50 years old, jumping off balconies, beating up men, uh, the Woman King movie uh, over in Dahomey, and, and then again with the, the Wakanda Forever, the bald-headed lesbians partnering up with Black Panther's sister and, and MC Lightweight from over in America. Uh, it, 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 and they slayed the Mexican swim team and held off the, 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 the white sister. It, I, I just see it all over Hollywood, this promotion of the matriarchy through black people and 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 I just don't think it's an accident. We're the lab rats. I'm looking at the results and they're awful. The matriarch results are awful, but it's, it's like China's pushing this through our popular culture and they want everybody in America to embrace the idea that, whoo boy, if America would just get more feminized, whoo boy, a little feminization, a little vibranium, and you got mm. utopia. Jason, I, I, as you were talking, I, I remembered something my mom used to tell me when I was a kid. There was a period of time, maybe when I hit about 10, when my mom would start making stir-fried Chinese food at home. She had like an old wok that had been seasoned. I mean, it looked like it had been passed through Beijing for 50 years. And I asked her why at one point, and um, we didn't really eat out at the local, because New York got a bunch of Chinese takeouts and there was some in our neighborhood. And I asked her why, she said, well, part of the reason is because the people who work in that store don't give you the food that they eat. They give you something very, very different. And she, she didn't say with any malice or any, any, any judgment, she was just saying, my job is to feed my family and to make sure you all are nourished. 
they're gonna uh, uh, pump this stuff full of MSG, and the, and she would always tell me that the oil that they use is basically as old as however the restaurant is. And I see a parallel there when you look at what what China teaches its kids in terms of its K through 12 education. Um, it it never par- punishes merit. Um, it always pushes their kids towards mastery. When you look at what they allow on TikTok and social media, it's none of the garbage that, that our kids take in. Um, it's clear to me that that China understands that even though they have you know well over a billion people, the easiest way to bring this country down um, is to do it from inside. And this is the way all great civilizations and 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 teams and dynasties fall. More often than not, it's from the inside. Outside forces, an external threat tends to make people um, retract, get into a defensive posture and say, we'll put our differences aside for this common enemy. But when you're fighting each other on the inside, the enemy will just sit back and say, okay, let me just, let me wait it out. Let me, let me feed the flame, you know, feed the fire a little bit more. So yeah, I, I, I see it. You know, I, I went to see you know, Wakanda forever. Um, I told my wife, I, t- to its credit, I appreciated how they honored Chadwick Boseman, and obviously his his untimely passing was extremely unfortunate. You know, they had murals. Love to celebrate had, dead black men, Delano. They love to celebrate dead black men. Jason, I, I told her, <laughs> I said, the the man who was afforded the most respect, reverence, and honor in the f- entire film was a dead man. No, no, none of the other men in in, in Wakanda could even get a date. The only signs of 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 attraction and physical affection of eros right the eros type of love was between two women now if this was an, a different film and it was a general and he was consorting with his female underling they would say oh my gosh what the power imbalance says she can't consent to a relationship but since this is you know this is pride come to wakanda now it's oh wow that's empowering you know now you know they're not going to send that over to Qatar or Dubai or Saudi Arabia. You know they're going to cut that scene out. But for us, they'll say, we'll feed it to you and we lap it up. And I know we're going to get into it tomorrow, but part of my argument with the first uh, Black Panther film and this one is that for people who think that representation in and of itself is life's highest virtue, someone who creates culture will sell you anything as long as they wrap it in the right package, as long as they, so they'll, 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 you know, hit you with the banana in the tailpipe. They'll, they'll do the wind up with this fist and then they'll punch you in the nose with the other. And, and this is what they do. They, they made you think that this movie was against colonialism. Well, the only thing the white people got was some stiff, was some harsh words and a, and a sternly worded email. But all the violence was between the two kingdoms, kingdoms of color. And, and this is this is how Hollywood runs its plays all the time, just like the last one. Oh, man, kill Killmonger. He's going to exact revenge for all the brutality that's been done on black folk. And I said to myself, Killmonger couldn't even get a single spear out of Wakanda. And you know who helped stop him? The white man from America. The only person in that movie who was willingly invited into Wakanda was a white CIA officer. T'Challa didn't even bring the kids from Oakland to Wakanda. He went there. He said, look, y'all can't come here. I'll come to you. Don't, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll bring some resources. I'll drop off some book bags. You run the book bag drive in September. I'll talk to you. We'll work it out. And then I'm going to head back to Wakanda and take care of this ALN CIA officer. 
And that's what Hollywood does because they know we are a people. And this is, I heard you and Steve Kim talk about this the other day. Steve said, look, I don't want Hollywood representation. As an Asian, as a, as a Korean American or an American Korean, I do not want that representation. It's not important to me. I want, you know, my tribe to focus on the things that we do well, because the minute we start going down that path, we're going to get that hook in our nose and Hollywood is going to be dragging us all over the place. And, and that is largely how things are in our community. So that's how I got to see men like the comedian Kev on stage and some other guys, you know, guys who say that they're Christian brothers and they, they're with the culture. Man, that was so empowering. Yeah, right. You if you live in Wakanda, you could they, you'd be lucky if they let you if you if them two women let you serve them dinner. They'll say, come here, come here, boy. And they're coming. They wipe their feet on you when they when they come in the house. So, yeah, it, they're always running a play. All of their any any culture geared towards black people in this country always has a bit of propaganda in it. it I just the question is whether or not we'll recognize it and take action. D, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Black Panther tomorrow. <laughs> uh, we'll probably also talk about uh, President Trump's big announcement tonight. Uh, so anyway, great job as always. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow. And we'll see you tomorrow. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just want.